Hello everybody, this is our sermon for Easter Sunday. It's based on the passages Matthew 28 verses 1 to 10 and Romans 8 verses 18 to 30. And it's titled Earthquake, Coronavirus Resurrection and New Creation. Over the last few years, we have been reminded again and again how intimately connected creation and humanity are. When in our quest for energy, fracking started, earthquakes began. When we do not recycle our plastic, sea creatures die. When we drive cars unnecessarily, leave lights on, jet around the world merely for luxury, coral bleaches, desert spread, sea levels rise. There is such a thing as human-caused climate change. We have seen this link between creation and humanity demonstrated again in the last 12 months. As the lockdown has continued, air pollution has fallen and wild birds are thriving. In Venice, the cows have returned to blue and there are even dolphins swimming in them. No one can now seriously deny that there is a clear cause and effect relationship between us and the earth that we live on. But what if it goes deeper than this, even deeper than the ravages of climate change? Genesis 1 and 2, the very first chapters in the Bible, speak of God creating the world and then creating humanity in his own image in order to look after it. It was a beautiful beginning. The world God made was good. Human beings were good. As human beings looked after the land, it flourished. Thereby it supported more human beings. Thereby it flourished some more. This wonderful cycle was set up where because humanity and creation were in an intimate relationship, things got better and better and better. But then suddenly everything went wrong. After Genesis 1 and 2 comes Genesis 3. The story of humanity falling into sin and turning away from God. The consequences of humanity selfishly trying to take control were profound. Adam and Eve were affected deeply by their eating of the forbidden fruit. Suddenly they knew shame. Suddenly, from perfect peace, they were fighting among themselves. But Genesis 3 tells us that this sin also deeply affected creation itself. After humanity turned away from God and tried to take over themselves... Thorns and thistles started to grow up, strangling the crops. Pregnancy became an ordeal and labour terribly painful. In an instant, God's pleasant garden turned into the dangerous wild. Genesis 3 tells us that creation itself was knocked completely out of kilter by the sin of human beings. It fell into disrepair. Saddest of all, death entered the world. Now turn with me to the central section in Romans 8, for it tells us a shocking truth. God allowed this to happen. He allowed his beautiful, wonderful, beloved creation to fall into disrepair at the hands of the people he also had made. Why? Well, not because he didn't care. If he didn't care about his creation, he would have just torn it up and thrown it in the cosmic dustbin, in the same way a toddler tears up a colouring sheet in frustration when they've strayed outside the lines. Neither was it because he wanted to punish his handiwork, as if God takes some sadistic pleasure every time we cut our hands on a thorn or a woman screams in childbirth. 
If he wanted to punish us, God would have just burnt us up and allowed his good world to go on blossoming. Now, Romans 8 tells us why God allowed this to happen, and the answer is breathtaking. God allowed creation to fall into disrepair because that was the only way for him to put it fully right and us again. Listen to this, verses 19 to 21. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. After the fall of humanity in the garden, God enabled a world to go on where human free will was still possible. With free will, bad things were guaranteed to happen. We keep messing things up. But so too can we realise the error of our ways and turn back to God. With free will, we can choose to love God and come back home. In these verses of Romans 8, Paul pictures creation itself groaning with frustration because of the damage we have caused, because of our sin. It can't quite be all that it has the potential to be. But Paul emphatically states that God subjected it to this state in hope. In hope. The hope being that as humanity realised the broken state of the world, it would become a vehicle by which God would be able to call his people back. Every time we toil in the garden with sore backs and arthritic fingers, we're reminded that this is not the way the world is supposed to be. Every time a woman experiences the pain of childbirth, they're reminded this is not the way the world is supposed to be. Every time we're stung by a wasp, bitten by a midge, scared by a bull, we're reminded this is not the way the world is supposed to be. Now blow this up onto a massive scale. Every natural disaster, every earthquake, tsunami, drought and famine that makes people suffer reminds us that this is not the way the world should be. And of course, the coronavirus, which is where I've been heading. The immense suffering caused by the coronavirus on a worldwide scale, affecting every person living, is perhaps the ultimate sign that this is not the way the world should be. As every person dies gasping for breath, as every family mourns, as every single one of us live in fear of the illness, we know at the core of our being that this is not the way the world is supposed to be. Why not? Well, all these things are like a giant arrow pointing in the sky, pointing to the obvious. Why not? Because we as human beings have sinned. We have turned away from God. God did not cause the disrepair of our world. We did. God just allowed it to happen because in his great wisdom, he realised it was the only way to get his stubborn, rebellious people that he loved back. It was the only way to get the best of endings. C.S. Lewis once wrote this. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf 
world. Did you know that Jesus once said something very similar to that? In Luke 13, 4-5, we read the terrible story of a tower in Siloam falling on a crowd of people and killing 18 of them. We don't know what caused it. Could have been an earthquake, could have been a strong wind, could have been shoddy building work. We don't know. But Jesus was asked this question, whose fault was it? Was it that those 18 people were guilty of great sin and that this was their punishment? Jesus' emphatic answer was, no, they were no greater sinners than anyone else. The only lesson that his questioners were to take from this incident was to be grateful that the tower had not fallen on them and to have their eyes open to the fragility of human life. Jesus turns to them, looks them directly in the eye and says, now is the time for you to repent. Repent before it's too late. One day a tower may fall on you. Will you be ready? It sounds incredibly hard, but this too is the lesson of the coronavirus. It is God rousing us with his megaphone. Come on, you who are fortunate enough to still be living. Repent, turn to me. I'm here waiting. Do it now before it's too late. So let me try and summarise all this again. The world is broken, not because of God, but because of us. Creation and humanity are intimately connected. God has allowed it to remain in this state of disrepair for a time in order that he can call his people back. Our suffering day by day at the hands of this virus is a sharp reminder that we need a saviour. On our own we have nothing. We are all stuck, heading for death. But here comes the good news. The glorious good news of Easter. Right from the beginning, when God allowed his creation to fall into this state, he planned to send exactly what he needed. A saviour for us and a saviour for his creation. The saviour was named Jesus. I think by now we know the story. We know about the cross. Jesus died on the cross to take our place. He paid for our sin with his blood. He died our death so we could live his life. On the cross, our forgiveness was won. But did you know this? On the cross, Christ was saving creation too. While Jesus was on the cross, something amazing happened. The sky turned black. So black, it was as if the sun died. For the three hours before his final breath, as the blood seeped away from his wounds, so did the daylight. Then at the final moment, the instant he took his final breath and died, there was an earthquake. Not a slight tremor, a powerful earthquake. Matthew 27, 51-52 tells us that the earth shook so hard, solid rocks split apart, and even old grave sites opened up through the cracks in the ground. With all that we've thought about in this sermon, can we see that this is no coincidence? This is no chance, none whatsoever. Jesus is God. He is King of all human beings and Lord of all creation. When Jesus, the God-man, dies, it has implications for both. When rocks are split apart, there is no way you can stick them back together again. Something has changed, changed for good. The death of Christ changes the very course of creation itself. 
On the cross, evil was defeated and sin was dealt with. And that changes the trajectory of everything. It knocks the world into a new orbit. Creation benefits from the cross as much as we do. But we've not finished. Matthew continues. The first earthquake was at three o'clock on the Friday when Jesus died. But very early on Sunday morning, there was another one. Listen to this, the first verses of Matthew 28. At dawn on the first day of the week, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. On the day Jesus rose, there was another earthquake, this time described as a violent earthquake. It's even more powerful than the first one. Do we get the message? Again, the resurrection doesn't just affect us. It reaches down into the depths of creation. It reaches down and it makes creation itself a promise. One day it will be resurrected too. We so often overlook these two seismic events that bookend the events of Easter. We like to ignore the spectacular. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It's it's too difficult to explain to our non-believing friends. But this year, as we celebrate Easter locked down under the coronavirus, we really need to see this. When Jesus rose again, death was defeated. And that is good news for all the life that God has made. One theologian wrote this about these two earthquakes in the Easter story. The earth, which trembled with sorrow at the death of Christ, as it were, leaped for joy at his resurrection. What I'm trying to do in this sermon is to get us to look up from our current troubles and see the grand scheme of God. This is what Romans 8 is all about. So let's go back to that to finish. After the fall of human beings, which devastated creation, God subjected it to remain in that state for a season. God frustrated the created order in this way, in the hope that one day it would be fully restored and set free. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us for our sin, the sin that caused all of this mess. Then he rose again to defeat death. In his resurrection body, the new creation began. Forty days later, when Christ ascended into heaven, he did so so he could pour out his spirit on all his people. And by giving us his spirit, he put a little bit of that new creation in our hearts, guaranteeing that one day we will experience it in full. Because Christ rose again and ascended, one day he will come back to claim what is rightfully his. The dead will be raised and all the faith will be transformed into their new resurrection bodies. This is the moment that Romans 8 describes as the children of God being revealed. But also in that moment, when the risen Christ has come and removed the vestiges of evil and sin from the world and given his people their eternal bodies, creation itself will be changed. In the blink of an eye, creation will be transformed, set free. It will not need to be subjected to frustration any longer because there will be nobody left on earth for God to call. The megaphone of suffering will no longer be needed because the last person who was to repent and believe will have done so. 
And the Bible ends with a picture of what this new creation will look like, what it will look like when heaven and earth are joined together and all life is lived in resurrection glory. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying or pain. There'll be no more curse on the ground. Indeed, all the nations will have been healed. No more virus. This is life beyond death. This is resurrection life. This is life that without the cross and the empty tomb is simply impossible. On this Easter Sunday, let us take heart. Let us have hope. We will be raised and creation will be restored. But let us also remember the words of Jesus in a time of tragedy. Repent and turn to God before it's too late.